Hello, and welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are booksmen. We are embarking on a brand new book quest. Yeah, we're we're done with tabloid newspapers. Yeah, and we're, we're done with books. the thing that you didn't put <laughs> enough thought into. Tim, I put so much fucking thought into well, it. Well, you didn't it's execute just, it. Well, yeah, I mean... And how much thought did you actually put into, I'm going to go buy a bunch of magazines and we'll talk about it? Well, I was going... So my original plan was I was going to like... I was going to get little post-it notes and like, you know, put them in like... like a, yeah, but you didn't do I, any of because this. Because I couldn't get the damn magazines that I wanted. And it is... So it was like a five-step process. You failed on step one. Yeah, how am I going to do the other steps? And you still want credit steps? for it? yeah. I Tim, I walked all around this goddamn town. Uh, I and and look, I found out Kelsey Grammer was going to be at Christie's, and you didn't even go. No, I knew you weren't going to go. You're like, I'm going to go. I'm like, you're I was not going to go. I was too hungover to go the next day. A <laughs> uh, friend of the show, uh, Fems, did go though. Yeah, and uh, met Kelsey Grammer. Got a picture with him. Uh, he, I thought he looked great. Yeah, in the picture. Of course he looks great. He's well, I don't know. he always looks I'm saying like for his age, he looks great. Yeah, like he how looks old is good. Kelsey Grammer? Can you ask Siri? Be, uh, how old is Kelsey Grammer? He's got to be in his late 60s. 68, I'm going to say. Why are you talking in a British accent now, Siri? I was dicking around with the settings while you were in the bathroom. Uh, he is, let me do the math. Yeah, he's... 66. Okay. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like in the beginning of Cheers, he was like in his late 20s. <laughs> right? Yeah. Somewhere around so. there. Um, yeah. yeah. So we... Early what? 30s, maybe. Um, yeah. I, I should have gone to Target. I should have just thought, Ed, I thought it'd be easier to find. I thought if I went to enough supermarkets, surely some would have... Right. But what but. I'm trying to do, this is this is a this is a learning experience for you. This is a teachable moment, Tom. It's not enough just to have the idea. You have to execute the vision. I tried to. Nobody cares that you have an idea. Ideas are a dime a dozen. And actually it seemed like this idea wasn't even that strong. <laughs> Again, I think it, it came was, to me in a dream. It was buy a bunch of magazines in a panic. No, and then I, put post-it notes in them. I, Tim, I wanted to recreate the magic uh, that Regis and Kathy Lee yeah. had. Well, you didn't. Yeah. Thank uh, God you got you, 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 In the last three minutes of the recording, you found that Kelsey Grammer <laughs> Saved the whole episode. I wonder how many people showed up at Christides, uh Yeah. before the episode had actually dropped <laughs> and said, Tim and Tom sent me, Kelsey. And he went, oh, all right. He seems like he would tell you, be like, oh, of course they did. And just Tim and Tom love those guys. <laughs> Toss salad and scrambled eggs. His cameos on, or more than cameos, on 30 Rock as himself. Oh, I don't think were, I've ever, I'm, I wasn't like a huge 30 Rock guy. So you know Jenna Maroney? Yeah, the, yeah. the character played mm-hmm. by the, the lady, the blonde lady? Uh-huh. 
um she is like she's like a scumbag like scammer yeah, yeah. lady and he joins her in some of their in some of her scams oh they have really like a scam crew oh i that like gets that together and like where they go and uh she has sorry i know i'm just explaining an episode of 30 Tim, rock but it's a good joke sa- save it for the kelsey Grammer episode she has a carvel black card where she gets <laughs> free carvel uh-huh and so she and Kelsey Grammer together. I forget why he has to get roped into it, but they order cakes. Mm-hmm. They buy cakes from yeah, uh, like Fudgy the Whale cakes, and have them write things on it, mm-hmm. and then return them because they uh, they they claim that it, they wrote the wrong things on them, <laughs> and so she gets them for free with her card. Oh, and yeah. then Kelsey Grammer has to go. Uh, return them mm-hmm. and they give them back cash and it's it's a low level scam. <laughs> yeah, all right. I don't know if that would work. And, I mean, it's it's a heightened reality. But but if Kelsey Grammer comes into your store and says, "I'd like to make a return," mm. I don't know you listen. And when uh, he goes in and he asks uh, them to write. Frasier reunion (laughs) (laughs) and the lady goes don't you mean Frasier and he goes don't you think I would know (laughs) that's a pretty good one um I remember like when I worked in a store having like uh we would occasionally uh have celebrities come in and uh I don't know what's a lab's dish Tom uh, I've mentioned this on the show before on this or our, our other show, but I just remember one time, like, uh, my, my boss, like the store manager, like calling me out from the back. He's like, get out, come out here. I need you. And like coming out cause he wanted to introduce me to, uh, Jordan Knight from the new kids on the block. Okay. And, uh, you said celebrities. <laughs> well, that was the thing. I was kind of like, hi, nice, nice to meet you. He's like, night to meet you but it was like i don't have anything i don't i i'm aware of your music <laughs> like I'm, you know uh, yeah. hey for what it was good job it seems like it was very popular with the the women i grew up with they they sure seem to love it and some of the boys tom and some of the well that was a weird thing because my boss was like a few years older than me and like he i he, i think he had gone I think maybe Jordan Knight gave him tickets to go to the concert that night or mm. something. God knows what the fuck we gave him. <laughs> like <laughs> a man who could probably afford to buy the whole store. And it was like, yeah, take all this. And it's like, in exchange, I'll give you a spot on my guest list that cost me nothing. What what other celebs? Um uh this porn star's husband came in a lot. What? Yeah. And he was oh, what was her name? I remember the guy's name was Spider. Spider? Yeah. And it was like, like on a, his credit card? Uh it wasn't on his credit card. On his credit card is like a very Jewish sounding name where it's like, this isn't Spider. <laughs> um uh, who oh, uh, what was her name? She was like very, very famous though. And like I didn't you know, I didn't know him certainly, but like there was a guy that he would always go to, and then that guy was like, you know, he's married, like, let me show you a video. Uh, and it was like, Oh wow, all right. But again, I don't know how this helps me. I got to shake hands with a man who's married to a porn star. Right, name one actual celebrity that came in. Um freaking the uh, nda no longer applies to uh i think it was a lifetime nda 
But uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, boy. What is her name? Can't remember her name. Yeah, describe her. Uh, Not physically. She's married to Neil Young. Daryl Hannah? Yeah, Daryl Hannah. She That's came in That's cool. One. Yeah. Um, what a weird thing that Neil Young did. Divorced his <laughs> wife late in life and yeah, shacked married. up with Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Um, the the guy from um, uh, oh, what's that band? <laughs> Smash Mouth. No, not Smash Mouth. A famous Long Island band, like emo band, that got big for a minute, and then uh, like a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of women had very bad things to say about what this man did. Brand new. Yes, yeah, the guy from Brand New. Yes. It was very nice to me, but I wasn't a, a 16-year-old girl, so. Right. Um that's that hey, that's just oh, I met uh, Stephen Colbert once. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he was very nice. He was very cool. Uh yeah, we'll end it on Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Cuz that's just like a right, it was like, "Hey, you're Stephen Colbert." And he's like, "I sure am." I mean, that's a good... Tom, you know what I realized? Uh-huh. Or what I learned this week? What? I live very close to two celebs... Mm. Uh, ...that apparently I've passed on the street a lot and haven't yeah. noticed, but my wife has noticed, and she's been like, did you see back there? Yeah. Number one, Michael Sarah. That's oh, right okay. around the corner yeah. from me. Number two, Jason Sudeikis lives like a block away from me. Oh, well, if he lives a block away from you, guess who just moved in? Who? Matt Damon. What? Yeah. He, Damon he, and Sudeikis are living together? They they shacked up. For what? No, I just read a thing the other day, like Jason Sudeikis, or, or Matt Damon just bought like, you know, I don't know, the entire floor of a building. And they were like, oh, and uh, joining, you know, in that same building is Jason Sudeikis. Hey, in New York or is this No, in in Brooklyn, like right uh, by the water. I don't live by the water. Yeah, you don't live by the water. Uh, Maybe Jason Sudeikis has multiple places. Uh, I mean, also, it's uh, they were saying somebody else lived there. They call him Jason two places. I was wondering where he got that nickname from. <laughs> and I was wondering why that nickname was only local to Brooklyn. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, I mean, they're both, uh, uh, I don't know, pretty nondescript guys. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, if, if they're just wearing regular clothes, they look like any any other white guy in Brooklyn. Does Michael Sarah do anything anymore? Um, I, don't I bet know. he does like annoying things, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him act in anything in yeah. a while. I feel like, and, I feel and like even he's starting like, like bands that are too cool to like. Yeah, I mean, he. I know he had like a band for a while that he was playing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he. I, I could also see somebody like Michael Sarah, who's extremely funny and talented, also like. Having being a little overexposed and having a tough time uh, landing roles for a little yeah, maybe bit. Maybe you should try shaving that mustache he had. 
Well, maybe he has, but I'm just saying, yeah, like, like he he got cast in a lot of things for like very specific. Oh, he was in that movie Molly's Game that I haven't seen, but that I want to yeah, see. That came out like 2015. Though. No, it was 2017. It was four yeah. years ago, right. but I want to see it because apparently he plays Tobey Maguire. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't actually play Tobey Maguire, but he plays the yeah. character that Tobey Maguire is based on. Tom, I don't think you'll like that ga- that movie as much. As it's no? not a game; it's a movie, even though it says Molly's <laughs> game in it. Tim, you always screw this up. Um, <laughs> I was expecting to love that movie. Oh yeah, and yeah. Then... I mean, there's a reason why I think I that I'm. Here's what I'm very sensitive to about movies. If I hear a lot about a movie and then it comes out and I don't hear anything about it, yeah, then uh, like I, I've always got my ears up for like, all right, now it's out. What am I hearing? What are people yeah. saying? There's a lot of it's full of Sorkin bullshit. Yeah, I mean, what isn't that he makes? Social Network. But he, I I feel like because David Fincher directed that, yeah. he had like much. He was like, cool, thanks for the script out of here yeah. like now this is mine to be maniacally controlling yeah. about uh but that is true social network uh was good and should watch the social flick. network again um well instead of watching movies like a fucking idiot i've been reading <laughs> po- idiots watch movies Tom? i'll agree with you there i've been reading a book like a brainiac like a like a regular brain like one of the world's smartest people i can notice your head tom is actually bigger around oh, the top God, that's the last thing i need with this head i think you're for it to get any bigger. i know but just the top portion where your brain is stored so it leads me to believe that maybe your brain has grown from reading no, this book. or um, hemorrhaging or something like yeah. that um tim uh very shocked a shocking turn of events that uh Andromeda Strain got voted in instead of uh, Jurassic Park. And I think I know why. Collusion on our Discord. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's it's no. Where does it say in the rule book that they can't collude? On oh, the no. Discord? And I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I, I kind of w- would have wanted to read Jurassic Park again just because I'm curious. I'm, you still can, Tom. Yeah, You're, I guess I could. You, hey. We live in America. But I want to share it with everyone. Maybe. We can do that, too. Uh, oh, I'm going to read two books at once, like some kind of brainiac. <laughs> um, your, your brain would start coming out of your skull. You'd but, come out of your ears. You know what? I did think it was interesting because I feel like this does happen with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the polls that we put up. It's always like a very tricky thing. Uh, I mean, we don't really talk that much because each of us kind of decide on what the poll's going to be. You know, we, we talk about general things, um, but I feel like it is always a tricky thing of like, we want we want to get some like lesser known books or authors in here. But if we put something well known in there, that's just naturally going to be what most people click on. Right. And I think the other problem besides that. Because it's not like, uh, it's not even that. I don't think it's even most people will click on it just because they've heard it. I think it's just like everything else splits the vote. Right. Uh, is the problem. Because it's never like, oh, we put up all these books and this one got 90%. Like, it's still usually a little bit of a squeaker. Um, 
But uh, but in this case, Discord decided let's not split the vote. Let's all like not all, but like let's come to an agreement here. Which should we all vote for to make sure it's not Jurassic Park? <laughs> what? You were talking about how uh, we like to we want to get some lesser known books in there, mm-hmm. and I know that we're always making an effort to get you know. Uh, non-white male yeah um especially non-white male dead guys <laughs> yeah and <laughs> it, i'm just thinking about the next poll that i'll have to do and uh-huh. think about like well what authors of color have we covered recently and the only one i could come up <laughs> with was oj simpson that doesn't bode well for our track record right no there. no and I, I don't think any uh uh, women or, or person of color wrote any of Michael Crichton's books. No. The key wrote them all. Yeah. Although he's one of those guys that now in death is still putting out books. But, you oh, know, really? it's like uh, there there's a, uh, a, a sequel to the Andromeda strain that is written by somebody else. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if it's like based on notes or whatever that he had or if it was just like write another one of these. And also, it's like, have somebody write another Jurassic Park, you knuckleheads. Yeah. Or another disclosure, right? Have somebody come in and write <laughs> there disclosure, were some, too. There were some omissions from... Yeah, I didn't put disclosure in there, which or is... Or Rising Sun. Or Rising Sun, because disclosure, from what I remember, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, was basically sometimes women lie about sexual harassment. <laughs> Tom, you read If I Did It by O.J. Simpson I, on yeah, this show. Exactly. So I, I wanted to not read something else like shitty. Uh, and Rising Sun was about like Japanese businessmen are creeps who will murder women, who will murder white women if if they get too much power in America. Right. Uh, although, I mean, what a... That I would have rather... Sean Connery was in that movie? Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes, a dynamic duo that we hadn't seen before or since. Yeah. Now we'll never get our chance. Yeah. And I forget. I mean, Sean Connery is such a weird actor because, like, there's so many movies he's in where they, like, either don't explain or gloss over, like, hey, why is this guy got a Scottish accent? <laughs> Uh, and I feel like that's one of those movies. Nowadays, actors will hide their accents. Yes, sometimes to uh, incredible degrees. Sean I feel like Connery that's... and Arnold are just like, they always have to have a throwaway line in an Arnold movie. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, what is with this Austrian accent? Yeah. Or, or they'll just explain, like, oh, he came from Austria. Like, in junior, I think there's, yeah. like, a, oh, he was a big scientist in Austria. Yeah. I mean, and, I guess a guy coming from Austria isn't, like, the craziest thing. Oh, no. It's just, it's crazy. Happened in real life with him. Yeah. It's just crazy when, like, sometimes the jobs people have 
in, in these movies where it's, I mean, Arnold to the other thing is like, why, also this guy's fucking built like a tank. <laughs> yeah. Like in jingle all the way, it was very confusing as to why this guy was just a normal suburban yeah. guy. Well, I mean, and like a hulking Austrian strong man and like true lies played into the, the joke of like, yeah. but it was still like, is Jamie Lee Curtis just like the dumbest person? person that's ever lived that she doesn't question why like her boring computer salesman husband is built like the most famous <laughs> bodybuilder in the world um but yeah otherwise like i feel like every show you watch nowadays you watch it behind the you know in america you watch it behind the scenes and they're like yes well for this part yeah. it's like what that guy's a, a southern gentleman in the show i'm watching Blivey Copper Copperpot is is a British guy. <laughs> yeah, I forget there was there was something something I was watching recently, and I was like shocked at how many people uh, in the behind the scenes were Australian or English. Yeah, um, Succession was a big one for me. Where I was oh like, yeah, what yeah, in the world. Yeah, like except for Rory Culkin, right? Yeah. Like they're all British or it's Kieran Culkin. You son or, of a or, bitch. Yeah, Kieran Culkin. What's Rory up to, huh? What is Rory up to? But yeah, all the other keep ones. Your eye on Rory. All the uh, well, uh, uh, the the older brother isn't. He's American. The the guy from uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we only know that because he's from Ferris Bueller. Anyway, that's not the book I read. Spin City also. Tom. The, Alan Ruck. Yeah, Alan Ruck. He's great. I, everybody's great in succession. That's why it's yeah. a good show. Everybody sucks. <laughs> you know what, Tom? Before we get to the Andromeda stream, <laughs> okay. I need to get this off my chest. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried that people are going to start rooting for... like. The 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 happiest oh, yeah. ending for Succession mm-hmm. is they all walk into a helicopter blade and get decapitated. <laughs> Everybody in that family, right? Yeah, yeah. There's no g- g- happy ending for society no, unless all, all those people die in a horrific Awful life. people with yeah. no redeeming. Like, Cousin Greg is the only one that you, you, like, root for that, like, I hope he doesn't get taken in yeah. by this family, but at this point, like he already is. Right. Um, and then like the fact that he had, he didn't run from screaming from this family yeah, yeah. is just like an indictment enough. Um, I fear it's going to happen. And this happened with the Sopranos. It seems like this many and, saints and, of Newark movie uh-huh. is just like, Hey, look how cool these gangsters are. No, hey, you know I the read guys a review from... that said like that's what they were expecting, and it is not. I hope so. Because... That, that the movie is an indictment of nostalgia. Oh, okay. That basically, like, yeah, you watch The Sopranos, and like all these characters were like, hey, it's not like it was in the old days, and that this is about the old days, and it sucks, and like yeah, it great. was awful because. Sopranos was so weird and funny, yeah. and this doesn't look weird or funny at all. Oh no! And but also, they, it, it, like the review I read also said it's very funny, okay. and that they were talking about how they're like, yeah, you know, in a prequel, you know, the temptation is like give it gravitas, make it serious, but like, no, what made the Sopranos was so so good was that it, it had so much comedy in it. And that a lot of the actors that they went with to play the younger versions, they went with like comedic people 
Okay. Or people with like some kind of comedy yeah. chops. Just uh, it worries me because I think a lot of people walked away from The Sopranos with the wrong idea yeah. about what The Sopranos. Well, uh, was same to thing say. with Breaking Bad. That's yeah. the, another huge example of yeah. like, well, no, you're not supposed to root for this guy. He sucks. Yeah. And like you're rooting for him in the beginning, but then the rest of the show is about the him multiple times <laughs> he had outs he had ways to walk away from everything and he didn't and then in the last i think it's the last fucking episode he has a big monologue about how it's like nope i'm a bad guy i like being a bad guy that's why i kept doing this and they were like man that shrew of a wife (laughs) (laughs) she sucks she should have let her husband break bad (laughs) why did she try to stop him from breaking bad (laughs) yeah uh, the Andromeda strain, Tim, uh, right off the bat, there's like a, a like a forward in the, in the book mm-hmm. and forward forward. Um, and it's weird because it's written by Michael Crichton or it, it's at least initial From beyond the grave. <laughs> it's at least initialed MC, hmm. but it's uh, hammer, but it's written, in a way that it's like this is a nonfiction book, you know what I mean? No, it, this w- book was written in like the, the 60s. late sixties. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. Uh, it's we like it reminded me of the forward uh, from World War Z. Okay, where it's like that, where it's like here's like a, a recounting of of what happened uh, after the fact. But it was weird that it was written like, you know, initial Michael Crichton. It's like, well, but you're the author of this. Like, come up with a fake character. But then also, like, the rest of the book is not written in that style at Hmm. all. Like, the rest of the book is written, from what I remember, like, in in a very Michael Crichton style. Where it's like, well, no, the the... The you know this it's not essentially a found footage book. Yeah, where it's like this third person narration is talking about people's emotions and right. internal thoughts. Um, so I thought that was uh, uh, kind of weird. Can uh, I put forth a theory that we can talk about later? Sure. I just want to put a pin in this though. Mm-hmm. George Clooney <laughs> owes his career to Michael Crichton because of VR. Yes. Go on. Did oh, that's your theory? Yeah, without Michael Crichton, Michael Crichton yeah, is but never did born. Michael Crichton have anything to do with George Clooney being cast? I mean, the show wouldn't exist. So yeah, he created the show that right, they cast. But who's George to say Clooney. George Clooney wouldn't have been cast in a different show? And he's uh, been he was cast on a million shows, and they were all flops before before he became very good at acting. We only knew he was very good at acting because of the groundwork that that all the all the but, work that Michael if, Crichton did. Maybe if ER didn't exist, he would have been cast in NYPD Blue. Never would have worked because they oh, would have shown us me butt on TV. Have, people wouldn't have tuned in to see his. They butt? They would have tuned in, and then it would have been like, oh, well, you know, we're obsessed with his butt now. And then they never would have they never would have looked past his butt to to see his acting. Dennis Franz, they saw mm-hmm. his butt, and they were like. There's nothing to write home about, so they focused on his acting. I think it was more. I think people, everybody saw Dennis Franz's button. They were like, "Well, I don't like this, but I like his acting. Exactly. So I'll keep watching." 
Um, this would just be like Clooney everywhere we go. They'd be like, "Show us your butt." You don't become a billionaire showing your butt. Uh, every, tequila yeah. mogul by uh, having everybody just you know at the mall be like, "Show us your butt, Clooney." Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You learned that in business school? <laughs> Is Dennis Franz a freaking billionaire? Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Everywhere he goes, Franz, show us your butt already. So the 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 thing starts with uh, two two guys, I guess scientists, driving around in a van. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you read the book, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they're scientists, but like, not really. They're driving around in a van. Here's what their job is. Their job is that a satellite that that uh, NASA has put up uh, has, you know, come down and they need to go find it. And it's not like a like, oh, it's lost. It's just kind of like late 60s. This is the technology. Uh, the, what goes up eventually comes down. Well, just like there's no GPS or anything yet. Got it. So it's like the satellite, we have a general idea where it came down, uh, but we're going to need a van to go around. You know, the satellite's going to be putting out a radio signal. The van's going to go around with an antenna and triangulate where where it is. And mm. actually, they say at one point, like, uh, you know, they... They could be putting two vans out and they would triangulate it faster. But right. like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We'll find it. Uh, they eventually find it. They're searching the Arizona desert. They find it in like a small town. I believe the town, right down, 48, 48 people as the population of this town. Because mm-hmm. as they're rolling in, they like see the sign. They kind of laugh like 48 people. And they see it. But then uh, as they're driving, the one guy's like, was that a dead body back there? He's like, what? No, you're seeing things. And then uh, uh, then they find another dead body. I forget exactly what happens at the end of the chapter, but the chapter ends. That's all you need to know. They see dead bodies? They see dead bodies, yeah. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, no. Then we cut to uh, the next. The chapters here are weird. Some are like two pages long and then some are like 30 pages long i feel like that was always the case with yeah Crying. right yeah because at first the chapters are real short and i was like oh no wonder i like this when i was a kid like this is you know this is what like dan brown does like, yeah just very short you can't put it down because like every chapter's just egging you on to the next one you're like ah, another few pages i'll stay up yeah. a little bit later um, but that's only the case sometimes. I mean, maybe I feel like that. W- I guess you were just saying this, like Jurassic Park. There are short chapters and then very long ones. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't. Maybe it's because I read a lot of Crichton when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I don't love uh, books where there's like uniform chapter length. It makes yeah. me feel like it was like an it's assignment. A structured. Yeah, like it was yeah. like. Okay, well, this is gonna be twenty pages and twenty pa- and and yeah. each scene or each you know. Well, I guess that's the difference. Like some authors, a chapter is basically a scene, and mm. then some are like, no, a chapter can have multiple scenes if it's like all in the same location, right. and, um, or if they're like thematically right, yeah, connected. Um, so uh, chapter two. Yeah, nothing's happened to these guys yet, I don't think. 
we're we're in like Michigan Troll. This guy is working like the late night shift. Um, oh, it's like three in the morning, and uh, he's talking to the guys on the radio. And the guys on the radio in the van are like, "There, there's dead bodies all over the place." Um, and uh, and then they're like, "All right, well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go check it out." And then they just hear a he just hears a high pitched scream, <laughs> and then crunching noises. Oh, uh, but it could be like radio crunch or whatever. Uh, but he's like, "Oh, damn!" He he has to press a button, the security isolation button, which. Based on what I've seen from uh, the show All Mankind, I think it was in All Man, or a different TV show, maybe. It makes sense that this is a thing at like NASA, where it's like a button that the director can press, where it's like the doors lock, nobody in or out, hmm. uh, because we gotta we gotta like figure this out. We gotta get everybody's. Basically, I think it's like when something bad happens, it's like. Eh, eh, eh. we're not going to have somebody be like, oh, let's have to go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> and then just run home. Right. Uh, that's like, nope, we're going to figure out what the fuck happened right here, right now. Or maybe not figure it out, but we're going to take statements and make sure this is all on the record. Right. Um. And then uh, that's another short chapter. Then like chapter three uh, was a longer one, I think. And I think in this, we're, we're, I forgot this about Michael Crichton's writing, that there are very long passages where he's just kind of like explaining things. Yeah. And like, not necessarily explaining things in the story, but just kind of like explaining scientific shit. He was a real freaking know-it-all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, I mean, but I remember this was like a fascinating thing in Jurassic Park because all the chaos theory bullshit where it's like, uh, okay, we don't I need don't, to know this. Yeah, much. I remember actually, you're right. I remember that. It's and like chaos that you'd just be like, oh, yeah, like things will go wrong sometimes. Yeah, I, I remember the, the chaos theory stuff kind of being like, oh, is this just like a really long explanation of Murphy's Law? <laughs> <laughs> If something bad can happen, it will happen. I feel like they mock, like Steven Spielberg mocked Michael Crichton's obsession with over explaining chaos theory a little bit with the way that. Yeah, because also in Jurassic Park, it was like chaos theory doesn't really like it applies to this situation no more than like any situation. Um, I do remember not not to talk too much about Jurassic Park. But I I forgot that another because I, I mentioned last week, I think that was like, I feel like they were stuck in the park for like a lot longer. Yeah, and that was imagine. a big thing. But I also remember a big thing in the in the book that was in the movie, but I think was maybe in later movies was that they uh, figured out that the dinosaurs were procreating and they didn't know that. So there were dinosaurs in the park that were not monitored and not labeled. And they I think all all the dinosaurs were female, maybe. So they didn't think that could happen. I think that did happen in the movie, actually. In the first one? Mm-hmm. Because uh, do you remember the seatbelt thing uh, yeah, foreshadowed yeah. it? Oh, it did? Yeah. How so? 
Oh, just like life finds a way type thing? No, the way that there were oh, the it two wouldn't female buckle. thing. And so oh, he just yeah. tied it ah. and then did it. And it was oh, like, oh, yeah. Stevie. Yeah. He knows what he's doing, huh? Um, I, but I feel even if it was in the movie, I feel like in the book it was like a bigger deal. Yeah. Um, and the chaos theory like fit into that a little right. better. Uh, but anyway... Um, so this chapter, there's a big explanation about like science, <laughs> uh, which was actually a little interesting because it was the science about, so it was talking about, you don't have to explain it all to me though. It, it was talking about how biology had lagged behind physics and chemistry that basically like physics was like the first thing we started figuring out mathematically. Like, here's how this works. And then chemistry, after that, we figured out, you know, I guess it's not necessarily necessarily mathematically, but we figured out like, oh, here's how like molecules work. Here's how bonds work. Here's here's what makes this prop this element have these these properties and this element have other properties. But that biology was still like more or less a black box that we really didn't know much about it. And I, for, I forget if it was in this chapter or a later chapter, they were talking about um, how like there hadn't really been any studies of bacteria because uh, was it bacteria or viruses? Something. Uh, what was polio? A virus? Sure. Or a bacteria? I zoned out a little bit. <laughs> But basically about, uh, no, not polio. Oh, like antibiotics. Antibiotics are for bacteria, right? Sure. Um, that they were like- You learned a lot from this. Studying all these things about bacteria and how it worked to try and like figure out a cure. But then uh, polio happened and they they discovered penicillin. And then it was basically like, oh, we don't have to worry about knowing how bacteria works, we, we've got penicillin to, to cure uh, bacterial infections now. Um, but then like something else happened and it was like, ah, oh, fuck, we should have known about that. And there was like one guy who was still studying it and like, you know, was like basically in poverty, still doing this. And everybody's like, why are you doing that research? We've got penicillin. So we and, always think that we solve the problems. And yeah. So we stop. And then and then once like a penicillin resistant strain came along, the example they gave was that he went from five thousand dollars. And again, there's like 50s or 60s money, five thousand dollars a year in funding to three hundred thousand dollars a year in funding. Right. Um, but basically just the idea that like. Uh, and I feel like he, he was very good at, uh, sprinkling in those like Malcolm Gladwell esque uh, bits of knowledge. Right. They surely resonated with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I'm reading this and I'm like, well, this is in the sixties. We know a lot more now. Right. As, as the entire world is under uh, uh, lockdown still two years later from a pandemic. Um, but biology lo- lags behind uh, uh, physics and chemistry. Um, and uh, uh, this guy, the this uh, scientist that they, they start talking about, um, 
he was concerned about this and like went to the government and am I getting ahead of myself? Maybe this is in the next chapter. Yeah, it's in the next chapter. Um, But in this chat, hmm. Yeah. So in this chapter, you know, they know something's up with, uh, with this town. So they send like a, a military aircraft uh, to fly over and they drop phosphorus bombs, which are basically like light bombs, you know, because phosphorus burns yeah. super bright. So it makes sense too that it's like, oh yeah, you know, there's probably better ways we, we do that now, but at the yeah. time. Get some helicopters or some spotlights. Yeah. Um, so they flew over with like, like spy reconnaissance planes that could take like thermal imaging and, and they were able to see like, oh, this town's littered with dead bodies. Um, well, shit, what happened? Um, but they, but do you think it has something to do with the Andromeda strain? It has something to do with that crash satellite. Right. Uh, and, uh. This also I found uh, peculiar. This town has 48 people, 48 person population. Mm -hmm. But there's a general store, a gas station, a post office, a motel, and a church. Yeah, people are passing through in the church, of course. But, well, I guess maybe everybody's working at these places. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of places to, to be able to have a 48 person population support. Well... What else are these people going to do? I guess that's true. Uh, but when they review the film, the military film, it looks like there there is somebody alive there. Oh. Bigfoot. Uh, chapter four, we, we, we cut back to the guy in the, uh, in the control room. And this is just a chapter where it's just explaining binary numbers for a while. So the other weird thing about this book is I'm reading the ebook that I got from uh, the library. An electronic book. An electronic book of all things. And it's it's got a lot of like diagrams and stuff in I, it. I, I was reading that. There's like charts and stuff. Yeah. But none of the charts are any good. <laughs> like none of the charts can you look at and be like, oh, yeah, okay. I can in see the what's ebook going or in the ebook? Uh, I mean, and there, I assume. Why don't you can walk to the bookstore, my my man. I assume they're faithful, uh, you know, like reproductions of what's going on because mm-hmm. they look old. Uh, these pictures. But it's just kind of like I'm looking at like a very basic map and I'm like, all right, hmm. I'm looking at, uh, you know, how binary numbers work. Because basically the guy has to call a phone number and he like, I don't know, has like a card that's like, here's the number to call. But the number is just like 48 and you have to like put that into binary and then that gives him a number to call. Hmm. And it's, uh, I think it's the wild storm protocol is, is the explanation. And the guy just leaves a voicemail and then he's like, uh, I expected like shit to start happening, but he doesn't know that. Like, I guess the whole process is, uh, automated. And now we find out what's happening during this automated process. Thank God. We, we, we arrive at Dr. Stone's house. Dr. Stone. Uh, Roger Stone's house. <laughs> no, it's not Roger Stone. Um, but it's this guy, Dr. Stone. He's having a party. 
Dr. Stone, I presume? Yeah, he's having a party. You know, hey, Tim, it's the 1960s. LSD. Everybody's, we're we're hearing like the wife, his wife's internal monologue where she's basically like, how do I get rid of all these people? I'm having this party, and I think she said she's from... the Jefferson Airplane in the, by the pool? <laughs> I, I think they're in California, but she's from like uh northeast coast mm-hmm. no, east coast northern northeast we call it sometimes in america <laughs> east coast northern was a good <laughs> and she's like where i'm from the second cup of coffee if it doesn't have alcohol in it is a signal that it's time to go it's time yeah. to leave which i didn't know but i want to have a party where where it's like well i'm going to start serving coffee to let people know that they should leave i guess we can't have parties right now huh yeah but i'm but i'm even thinking like uh i don't know i haven't been i haven't been to a party in years where it hasn't been like well uh everybody's tired we're all gonna (laughs) leave but i don't know everybody hey it's a swing in 60s maybe they you know they pass around a case of poppers or something um everybody's up now obsessed with poppers (laughs) um there's a knock at the door, and it's a goddamn military. It's t- it's two guys in uniform. Doctor Stone's house. Yeah, the the wife answers, and they're like, uh, "We need Doctor Stone." She's like, "What about? Is he under arrest?" And they're like, "No, he's not under arrest. Just go get him, lady." Lady, enough. <laughs> <laughs> enough. Just start serving alcohol at this party again, and go get your husband. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They're not gonna leave. Get your husband. You got all these problems, lady. Yeah. I'm making your problems well, our well, problems. Well, we find out later that this Dr. Sc- Dr. Stone, not Dr. Scone, <laughs> Dr. Stone's a little bit of a rascal mm. in that this is his fourth marriage. And two of his previous marriages were to uh, wives of his colleagues. Ooh. Yeah. So this Dr. Stone's a real, real piece cad, of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she goes and gets him and she's like, there's like military guys. And like, he comes in, he sees him. He's like, all right, I got to go with these guys. Uh, and he's like, do I have enough time to change my clothes? And they're like, no, we don't have enough time. He's like, can I pack a bag? Did he have a lampshade on his head from the party? (laughs) Uh, he's like, can I pack a bag? And they're like, no, there's not enough time. And his wife's like, what's going on? He's like, I have to go with these men. I'll be back in. A week or two, maybe more. Bye. <laughs> and just like kind of doesn't explain shit. Um, oh, we find out that the daughter or, or the wife, his wife, is the daughter of a senator. Guess what that senator's name is? You'll never guess. Senator Strom Thurmond. Thomas Wayne. Mm. Bruce Wayne's father. Wow. So this all time, this is like another this multiverse. Winds up being a freaking Batman universe <laughs> thing. That would be amazing if yeah. there was a Michael Crichton novel that was actually about Batman, right, but everybody, everybody, everybody kept the secret all these years. <laughs> um, so we find out this guy basically he's the one. This is what I was starting to say before. He's the one that like uh, he, he literally wrote a letter to the president. Who, Doctor Stone? Yeah. Okay. And he's like, "Hey, we got all these. Uh, you're sending. Up- hey, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> He's like, "Hey, you're sending these knuckleheads <laughs> up to space, left, right, and center." Uh. 
you ever think about them bringing back space viruses? Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, I guess by this point, who would it have been? Uh, Tricky Dick? No, Brian. Yes. What year is this? It, I forget if they give the exact year, but it's the late 60s. I think this might be LBJ. Yeah. Um, so 67? Th- I want to say this book came out in 67. Okay. But I think it's one of those books where, like, it came out, but it's like, yeah, this book takes place a couple of years from now. Oh. So maybe the, the near day. future. They don't say who the president is. Uh, it could be a fictional president for all we know. Uh, and he's like, hey, you haven't thought about this. You should think about this. And they immediately were like, you're right. Here's, like, $20 million. You're in charge. What should we do? Um, and he is, like, suspicious, and I will say, if you were a letter to the president and the president responds, you're right, how much money do you need? <laughs> Be very suspicious. Yeah. Um, so basically, they, they give a bunch of money and they come up with this whole protocol that will happen if, like, uh, you know, some kind of space bacteria, space, space virus comes back. Um, and that involves building a f- an underground laboratory that's five levels. And each level gets more sterile. Hmm. So like right underground, you know, the fifth floor going from the, the bottom, uh, not sterile at all. Regular floor. Me, Hey, me and you could go in there. Right. Next floor. Eh, take your shoes off <laughs> floor. After that, uh, we better have you wash your hands. Mm-hmm. And then, then eventually it gets to like, how Michael Crichton describes those levels. <laughs> it's not how he does. He doesn't go through each floor. But eventually gets to like, this is a hundred percent clean room. Right. Everybody's wearing suits. Not much not, like the the room we're in right now, Tom. Exactly. We're on the fifth floor. You we've both had to go through multiple levels yeah. to get here. Um so uh after that, like I, I guess once the government was like, Cool, we've got that settled. Uh now we can start trying to uh discover some space viruses or space bacteria. So they're sending up satellites called scoop, scoop one, scoop two, scoop three. Yeah. Progressive missions to, to go up to like, you know, near space, like the, the very top of the, where Bezos went. In his, yeah. Uh, yeah. Airplane. So it's like, you're not completely out of earth's atmosphere, troposphere, whatever it is, but like, you're not a hundred percent in space. Because basically they're like, oh, there might be bacteria and viruses living up there that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. Let's try and capture some, bring them back down and study them. We find out that uh, this whole plan, the Wildstorm plan, there's five people in it. And and we're told about the other people. Uh, This guy Levitt, and he's just like a sad sack. Uh, This guy Burton, he's the stumbler. The stumbler? Because he Lance Burton? No, because he uh, uh, falls a lot, mm. but he also frequently stumbles spaceship? on important discoveries, mm. on important ideas. Kirk, the anthropologist who comes at ideas, uh, comes at problems with a unique perspective, and then Hall, Hall, you know what? I meant to look this up. I apologize. Hall, they were like. They said we should have Hall because of the odd man out hypothesis. 
It's like, what the fuck's the odd man out hypothesis? So is he just like a dumb guy that they put there? It, it seems like maybe like a, like a wild card. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and he's very irritable. Yeah, he's a surgeon. He's like a doctor. All these people, they explain like what their jobs are. They all sound like, I mean, I guess they're trying to make interesting characters. But I mean, they're trying to make interesting characters. And all these characters are like 40 year old white guy who's a scientist. <laughs> um, and they're all kind of irritable and don't get along with people. Uh, so it, it's at the point where it's like, these guys aren't really unique. I'm just wondering, like, really, these are the guys you had in this program where basically at the drop of a hat, they would have to drop everything and go to the secure facility. Yeah. Um, it's going to be white guys. Oh, but they also say with the odd man out hypothesis that Hall is single and that there had to be at least one unmarried man. Hmm. Which makes me think like, oh, is he the guy that it's like, well, if we have to kill somebody. Yeah, probably. The um, odd man. Yeah. He's coming out. Uh, well, and we get into that a little bit later because now we're we're on a helicopter going to the uh, scene of the uh, of the town, you know, going going to where the Sally went down. Um, there's a bunch of uh, buzzards already uh, eating the dead bodies. So they gas all the birds. Of course. You got to gas the birds. <laughs> first things first, gas the birds. Well, Said it time and time again on this show. Well, I mean, they're like, uh, the satellite came down with something on it that seemingly killed everyone in this town instantly. Now these birds are eating them. We can't have these birds just go fly yeah. off. So they, they gas Any all the- Any excuse to gas the birds, I say take it. <laughs> they gas all the birds- uh, and then we find out that, uh, why do I have no notes for the end of this chapter? Let me, let me, uh, uh, pull up the book here. I have, I have a few more notes, but I'm looking ahead here. Um, oh, I see what happened at the end. Um, they kind of explain what the protocol here is, which is, uh, you know, the gas, all the birds, these guys, they're in, uh, they're in, you know, the crazy suits to go check out what's going on. Um, and they're going to drop a rope ladder. Uh, and they they tell, uh, and this is Stone, by the way. Mm-hmm. He, he's on this, uh, I, I think it's Stone and, I don't know, one of the other guys. It doesn't matter yet. Um, Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam. <laughs> uh, but they tell him, like, okay, go to the center of Main Street and drop the rope ladder. You are to remain 20 feet above ground. Do not put down. Is that clear? Yes, sir. When we have climbed down, you are to lift off to an altitude of 500 feet. Yes, sir. Return when we signal you. Yes, sir. And if anything should happen to us, and he cuts him off, I proceed directly to wildfire. Correct. Um, the pilot knew what that meant. He was being paid according to the highest Air Force bet. Pay scales. He was drawing regular pay plus hazardous duties pay plus non-wartime special services pay plus mission over hostile territory pay plus bonus airtime pay. He would receive more than a thousand dollars for this day's work. And keep in mind, this is uh, like 1967. Yeah. He would rec- uh, and his family would receive an additional $10,000 from the short-term life insurance should he not return. There was a reason for the money. 
If anything happened to Burton or Stone on the ground, the pilot was ordered to fly directly to the wildfire installation and hover 30 feet above ground until such time as the wildfire group had determined the correct way to incinerate him and his airplane in midair. Wow. He was being paid to take a risk. He had volunteered for the job, and he knew that high above, circling at 20,000 feet, was an Air Force jet with air-to-air missiles. It was the job of the jet to shoot down the helicopter should the pilot suffer a last-minute loss of nerve and fail to go directly to wildfire. Don't slip up, the pilot said, sir. And then they they uh, drop him off, and that's how uh, that chapter ends. So he's going to go to the thing. They're going to go to the satellite, presumably, like, get a sample right. from the satellite and bring it back to this facility. What do you uh, think, facility. a space virus? That's yeah, some kind, of, some kind of Andromeda strain, Yeah, I think, is probably what's going on. Does this, uh, you know, in light of what's going on here, mm-hmm. does this have a uh, special weight to you? Do you feel like, oh, no, maybe this... Uh, I mean, I know you were big on the. This was created in a Wuhan lab. Uh, proponent. Uh, I think it was created, but I think it was maybe being studied. Uh, Do you think maybe it came from space? No, but I ha- people have hypothesized that. Mm. I mean, I'm th- sure they have. I'm sure they're ones that like. Well, you were like, wait, wait, wait. Let's hear them out. Well, no. I mean, I don't think that. I, I, I think. I don't believe anybody manufactured this, but I do think it's a very weird coincidence that Wuhan had a, a virus. Right. So, like, I I don't think the idea that it somehow accidentally got out should be just dismissed right. out of hand. Um, but I do think some of the crazier conspiracy theories about everything uh, right now uh, pertain to the virus's origins. It's like, I remember my whole life, he, not every day, of course, but like hearing about like the Black Plague and the Spanish flu, like, uh, like, oh, every hundred years something bad yeah. happens. And it's like, oh, and this is not that dissimilar from like the seasonal flu. Yeah. Like it's, whereas this, it seems like there's a potential. You said it was, uh, <laughs> no worse. Yeah. I said it was no worse than, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Uh, but I think in this case, it might be like they find a bacteria or, or virus where it's like, Oh, we, we can't make heads or tails out of this. Thing. Right. Whereas with COVID-19, at least it was like, Oh, we reckon this is, yeah, yeah there's a coronavirus, stuff, but, yeah. but, but this one's just working yeah. in a very insidious way that we've never seen before. Do you think the Andromeda strain, they'll like put it under a microscope and they'll see like tiny little scorpions walking around or something? Fuck, that'd be crazy, yeah, right? Right. Imagine if that happened with COVID, if they came out and gave a press conference or like we looked under a microscope. <laughs> There's a bunch of little scorpions walking around. (laughs) This stuff's bad news, everybody. I would want them to withhold that from us. (laughs) Well, so maybe they are. Yeah. Who's to say? Airborne scorpions? No, thank you. (laughs) Keep those in the lab is what I say. Um, With good reason you'd say that. Yeah. Uh, No, I mean, because they also talk a little bit in this about how... Uh, 
they're like, oh yeah, the government was like, hey, we should like research the upper atmosphere. And it's like, no, they were looking, hey, maybe there's something up there we can weaponize and and use. What's wild about this, Tom, Mm -hmm. this book, Mm -hmm. is that it was written way closer to the beginning of the space program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Than it is to To, now. To today, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, very close to the beginning. It was like, what, when when did we, like... 10 years earlier from when yeah. he was writing this. Yeah. So of course he's going to be like, what's the alarmist take <laughs> that, yeah, that I can, yeah. that I can, uh, well, I yeah, I mean, at that point, like, you know, even the idea of space sharks up there, even the idea of satellites was a pretty new idea. So yeah. it was like, who knows what could happen when they come back down, what, what they might bring with them. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, yeah, it's like Y2K. But uh, during during the space age, yeah. Sputnik was uh, October nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's. Uh, well, I, this I was, was sixty nine. Oh, hey, hey nice. It's a techno thriller. Yeah. Yeah, because that has to do with technology a little bit. Yeah. I mean, or. I guess it does. It's just like the technology they're talking about in this. It's like boring radios. Talk to me when it's Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, why isn't there more Wi-Fi? They also book? they do mention like that. I like that you're using they them pronouns for Michael Crichton. <laughs> well, I'm I'm using them for the for the book. Mm. Um, the book. It, it I forget what what leads them to conclude that these people died very, very quickly once they were uh, infected. Uh, But they mention in this that uh, even if you slit somebody's throat, it takes at least 10 seconds for them, 10 to 40 seconds for them to lose consciousness and a minute to die. Yeah. And they're like, if you slit their throat and you get, both, I I think it's both carotid arteries and both, and I don't know if you have two jugular veins. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. You, basically, it's like best case scenario. You slit somebody's throat perfect. <laughs> it's still going to take at least 10 seconds of them going. That's why I don't, that's, I don't want that to happen to me, Tom. <laughs> I know. That'd so, be an unpleasant. So they're talking about. Like different, different, like, uh, uh, bio weapons and stuff. And basically this is like acting even fast. I forget. And like the other bio, like, man, don't ever read up on bio weapons. They're terrifying. Oh yeah. Cause like anything that can like quickly kill you without like, oh yeah, I get why that quickly killed me. All the blood left my body or like I was deprived of oxygen. Like bioweapons that kill you in like a few seconds, it's like they break apart every protein in your body. <laughs> they like liquefy all of your organs instantaneously. That I don't know. I'd prefer that than like yeah, bleeding out. I'd, you know what? I'd rather live forever. Sorry if that makes me weird. I don't think that makes you weird. I think it makes you short sighted. Makes me. Long sighted, Tim. I'm looking in the long term. Yeah, I guess you're considering living forever. I guess yeah. in that case, 
That's that's the way I make all my investments. And dear patrons, we hope that you have eternal life as well. <laughs> Thank you for supporting us. We love you very much. Tom, any last words about the first quarter of the Andromeda Beware. strain? Beware the Andromeda strain. We'll see you next week.